Welcome to the Appalachian Timber Ghost Outdoor Adventures Podcast. We're going to talk hunting, fishing, and everything outdoors. So pull up a seat and enjoy our campfire stories. Thanks for joining us. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me today. So I've got a great guest today. Got Cleed Spooner from Strut and Buck. You can find Strut and Buck on the Pursuit channel. Uh, these guys put on a great show. Cleed's from upstate New York. And uh, I'm glad to have him on the show today. Hey, Cleed. Thanks for coming on the show today. Uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and uh, what you've been up to. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I've been uh, I've been kind of working in the outdoor industry for, I would say, probably about 10 years now, kind of just, you know, on the side until about two and a half years ago, I got pretty serious with, you know, different things that I've been doing. And, um, you know, it kind of started out just filming locally here in New York, uh, for, a you know, a local group that, that a friend of mine and I ran, um, you know, we were doing, uh, kind of just creating videos and selling DVDs. This was kind of before, you know, digital, um, digital videos and digital TV were really kind of taking off for, for the outdoor space and whatnot. And, uh, so we're doing that and kind of selling DVDs at local trade shows. And, um, you know, from there he kind of decided he didn't want to do it anymore. And, and I, I did. So a couple of the guys that were part of the group and I, we, we kept going and, and we started, uh, what we called Crossroads TV. Uh, and we aired a year on the pursuit channel. Um, and then we got into, uh, kind of the second year of, of airing and we were set to continue going i mean our sponsors were happy our numbers were good and everything we just didn't have the footage um which is uh you know just one of those things i mean we had like 10 or 11 guys on the team and it was just like one thing after another all year and just nobody could seem to to connect on video we just didn't have the footage to, to air another season so we uh from that point, the guy I was filming with him and I kind of just said, you know what, let's go find somebody else to film with. And, um, and we found Struttenbuck and we kind of just decided that, you know, we liked the way that they filmed that kind of had similar personalities to us. And, um, so we reached out to him and, you know, four or five, five years later, um, still filming with him. Um, so that's been a good relationship and everything. So, um, you know, from that, uh, you know, doing the TV show and everything, you know, it kind of, kind of got into like building websites and doing social media and running social media accounts for, for other people. And that kind of went along with what I was doing for a career. Um, I was working for frontier communications, uh, running the, um, digital team over there, a bunch of designers and developers and project managers and whatnot. So we were like handling the website and, um, the mobile app and everything. So I kind of had a background in that and, um, but one thing led to another and I kind of just decided, you know, I was, I was kind of done with corporate life and left and started my own business called, uh, Crossroads Media Productions. So I did that back in 2019 and kind of just been going with that ever since. Yeah, you've been hunting a long time, though, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I grew up grew up hunting. Uh, I, you know, I was really big into hockey and soccer, and I was playing sports all year long. Um, growing up, and you know, I would hunt and fish and 
you know, whenever I could. And that was always obviously a passion. Um, and, you know, it wasn't until I kind of stopped playing sports at college that I was like, all right, I'm going to do this stuff a lot more often. So. Yeah, like, was, was there ever a point, like, when you were younger that you said, I would like to do the TV thing, like, when you'd watch shows on TV? No, not at all. In fact, I didn't even think about that stuff until probably when I stopped playing sports um, really competitively, like, in college. Um, I was kind of looking for just one more thing to add to the whole, the whole hunting aspect, and you know, I really got into like watching TV or watching like hunting shows, the outdoor channel and sports channel and everything. And, um, honestly what it was, was, uh, it was the second season that the Drury's did their, uh, dream season show where they had the, uh, like the amateurs on and stuff like that. And then watching that stuff. And I was like, man, with a decent video camera, like I could do something like this. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, just started, just started kind of trying and, yeah, I went and bought a small camera at Best Buy and started filming, and everything kind of just grew from there. Yeah. So when when you made the decision, how long did it take you to get your like like your legs underneath you to do it? Oh, dude, it's it's a learning experience every day. <laughs> um, yeah, and so it's funny because you when you start out, you start out with the traditional like pan across the field and. You know, we're hunting here on somebody's land, and it's it's a beautiful 75 degrees. You know, it's, it's like the start of a Monster Bucks video or something, right? And then, uh, you know, you think you've got to do all that stuff, and then it just evolves, like, as the years go, and you figure out what, what looks good and what doesn't and, and everything. So Yeah, it's funny because uh, this year I tried to do some self-filming, and that's pretty tough. You know, that wasn't I don't have nice cameras, and I was trying to do it with cell phones, even though the cell phones are pretty decent. But, uh, yep. you know, you, like I was, I was getting beat down and started getting warm. I wasn't seeing deer for the longest time. And I, I had to like change my stand up and I just, I'm so disgusted. I didn't set the cameras up and sure enough, a buck came and I shot him. I was just like, you gotta be kidding me. So but, yep, you know. that's, that's how it works. <laughs> I, that's exactly how it works. Yeah. So you think with like more people with the technology today uh, to film, is it easier or tougher to get into the field of like doing TV stuff? Um, I think it's easier to film and create good quality stuff at a entry level, um, like price point, if you will. Like, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna say. For under a thousand dollars, you can have a decent tree arm, a camera that shoots 4K, and you know, be able to, you know, and probably a GoPro too, you know, right. and be able to get that full setup for like under a grand and be, be in the tree filming and, and just teaching yourself. And there's countless videos. I mean, I got some friends that run, um, film the, what do you call it, film the hunt. It's a video school. Um, and you know they're they've got online courses they're doing all kinds of great stuff with that and you know it, it's it's just i think with today's technology and um just the the products that are available with the with the different tree arms that you can buy anywhere from like 30 bucks up to you know a few hundred dollars like right it's just so much easier to find that stuff. Like the first couple of tree arms I had, like I, I didn't have the money to go spend $400 on a tree arm. I was like 
I was looking at them and then going down to Lowe's or Home Depot and buying like aluminum tubing and trying to like cut them and bolt them together and make something <laughs> that looked the same, you know, like, yeah. and it, it worked, you know, <laughs> but, um, looking back on it now, I'd never put one of these cameras that I run now on it, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. You know? But it's, I think it's, it's one of those things too, like, like you just mentioned, you know, you, you got fed up with it and just kind of put it aside. And that's what I tell everybody that asks me like, Oh, I want to get into filming. I say, okay, well, are you, you know, it depends on what you want to do it for. You got to be honest with yourself. If you're okay with, you know, pushing the camera aside and shooting a buck because you just can't get them on film, then that's fine. There's no problem with that. But you know, the, the issue that we ran into, like I said, when the, with like my TV show in the past was, you know, guys would, guys would get frustrated and they'd push the camera aside. But like when you're filming for a TV show, you can't do that. Yeah, right. No <laughs> doubt. You only get so many tags, you know, so it's, it's not like you, you can just throw it aside and, and do that. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. How, how far in advance do you guys plan out an episode? Um, so we do some shows try and plan like episodes and then go do the hunt. Um, for us, like with Strut and Buck and the, the guys that I film with now, like we've never really treated it that way. It's always kind of been a, you know, these are all the hunts that we're going to do throughout the year. Like, you know, we've got um, some leases in different areas. We work with some outfitters around the country and, and in Canada and, and whatnot. And it's, uh, it's one of those things where like, we know what all the hunts are and we kind of assume that we're going to get an episode out of it. And then we've all been doing this for so long that, we know what needs to be captured while we're there right. to create a good episode. And so most of the time, like more often than not, we'll have all the episodes, all, all of the footage to produce an awesome show. And if one of us doesn't kill on that trip, we just don't get a show out of it. Yeah. Right. Um, sometimes, you know, sometimes we'll air it, you know, just cause it's good stuff. If there's good encounters, but you know, it's hunting, right? I mean, I've done no. trips before where I've been four days in a tree without seeing a deer. Like, you really can't make a show out of that, you know, if you don't have any interactions, but, um, you know, so that's kind of really how we treat it. It's, it's more along the lines of, you know, we're hunting and this is what we're doing. And we're just, you know, everybody kind of just plays their part. And there's four of us now on the show. And, you know, I'd say all four of us probably each, and we do 13 episodes a year. I would say each one of us probably contributes three to four episodes. And, you know, then we do kind of a roundup episode at the end of the year. So, yeah, because it's funny, you know, that's what I liked about the show is, you know, when you guys go out in a team and maybe one of you don't get anything. So it's mm -hmm. good to see that end of it, you know, the struggle. <laughs> it's, right. It's not I mean, everybody well, it's, gets a trophy. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's it's just, it's hunting, right? I mean, yeah. That's, that's what it is. So what was your most challenging hunt? Um, most challenging is probably it took me three trips to Newfoundland to finally connect on a moose. Um, I started working with an outfitter up there called Connor Brown. I still work with them today. We've been, we've been working together for, I think we're on nine years now. Um, and so it, it wasn't until my third year that I finally, um, was able to connect on a, on a moose. Um, the first year, we took just our bows up there um, and we were supposed to have access to a rifle in case we got down to the end of the hunt. We're like, okay, let's carry a rifle because it's just not happening with a bow. Um, and the guy that was supposed to bring the rifle for us didn't bring one. 
So um, we had a lot of really close encounters, and I just never got a shot. And it was just my hunt that year. And then the following year, um, the guy that I went with, we split days, um, and we had really hot weather. And uh, so I shot a big black bear one night, um, and then that was the first animal we'd seen in like three days. And then, uh, like, I think it was two or three days later, the next uh, next animal we'd seen was a really good bull, and it was his day to hunt, um, and he ended up killing that that bull. Um, but I never got a shot. So there's two years now in Newfoundland without a moose. <laughs> and uh, finally, my third year, I, I killed a good one at like 14 yards on the second morning. So um, I killed him with a bow, and that was awesome. So it, it was a from a challenging perspective. I mean, it's a lot of those hunts, like whether it's a Western elk hunt or you know, like those Eastern Canadian moose hunts. I mean, they're all physically challenging, but mentally challenging was probably that one. Yeah, cause just because it took so long, and then you know you keep going back, and you it just feels like there's so much pressure to to do it, and you know. Yeah, you just want to get it done. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, so uh, you know, I watched that. I think it was the elk hunt. Was it, were you in Wyoming? Yeah. So we did uh, yeah. <laughs> last year. Yeah. Last year was the first year we ever, or two years ago, um, it just aired last year. Um, so in 2019, that was the first year we ever elk hunted for strut and buck. Um, and so we went to Wyoming, um, and that was an archery elk hunt, um, on horseback. Uh, we got, we got close, um, uh, bulls just weren't talking and we didn't, uh, we didn't get a shot. And then, uh, I was able to hook up with an outfitter in New Mexico who had a landowner permit. New Mexico is kind of cool because you can get landowner permits. You don't necessarily have to use them on the ranch, depending on the permit that you get. And so mine was like a unit wide ranch. So I got or a unit wide tag. So I got a basically a muzzleloader tag for the, the five day muzzleloader season in um, unit 52, which is a pretty sweet unit. Like the, the country's gorgeous there. Um, and so we did that, yeah. Yeah, because when I, when I watched that Wyoming hunt, that that to me looked really challenging because it seemed so wide open. You know, it seemed like all you guys oh, really yeah. had was boulders <laughs> to hide behind. Yeah, you know, yeah. The the Wyoming hunt was challenging. It was uh, it was a lot of wide open area. That the one herd that we were hunting, there was two six by sixes in it, and probably like twenty or thirty cows. And we were on them every day for the whole five days. And we just, we couldn't get close enough to them because they just stayed in this like wide open, like this little like ravine and it was just wide open. And we tried beating them to it one day and, and we got down in there and they skirted us and <laughs> ended up coming into it from another side. And then we just couldn't get, we just couldn't get on them. So yeah, it was, it was really weird. Cause like when you think of Wyoming, you don't think of that little area that we were in for like five days straight. It just doesn't look like that everywhere else. So yeah, because you know I've been out out that way. And it's there's more coniferous trees and <laughs> but, oh yeah, but uh, yep. And that just that particular group that we were on every day, they that's just where they wanted to be. Yeah. They, they found that little ravine and they just stayed in the wide open of it all day long. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So like, what hunt didn't go as planned that you wish you had another crack at it? Um. Probably, so I was just talking about that New Mexico elk hunt. Um, I'm going to throw myself under the bus here because I missed <laughs> two great bulls that week with a muzzleloader. Um, and so it was just it w- 15 minutes into the hunt, I had a shot at a 320 class 6x6, six six, which in that particular unit, 
um, anything over that 300 inch mark um, is a big bull. Um, it's just a, it's just a, the, the unit is, you know, it's high mountain unit and it's got a lot of hunting pressure. Um, and so when those bulls are able to get into that three to three twenty range, like that's a really good bull. That's like killing a three fifty plus bull in a lot of other areas. Right. And we were fifteen minutes into the hunt and this bull bugled and we we crossed each other like he was walking left to right, we were walking right to left, but then we were like two hundred yards away and for whatever reason i couldn't get steady i had a i had a set of sticks that was too short um they're really sticks for like a bipod basically for like being able to like kneel and shoot but the stuff that we were in was so tall that i couldn't do that so i was basically like trying to half you know half-heartedly freehand it and (laughs) and i ended up uh getting a shot on the bull and i i just blew it i mean i just missed him at 200 yards and um then to top it all off, I get a shot at another one three days later, and I went out there to you know listen to bulls scream and come running in, and like that's what I got on the third morning of the hunt. Um, this bull came screaming in, running straight at us, stopped at sixty-five yards, and I just pushed the shot. I was leaning against a tree, and I just pushed the shot right off and missed them completely. And that stupid bull stood there, let the smoke clear, and just stood there staring at us. And I was able to get reloaded and come back up and shoot, and he just disappeared, and we couldn't find him. Um, I don't know if I hit him. I don't think I did. And the only thing I remember out of that whole thing was I wish that I had taken the extra time when I – so I reloaded while I was, like, laying on the ground, basically. And I got – I was able to, you know, pour the powder in, get the bullet started, get it rammed down in. But I remember there being like two or three inches of space with my ramrod still sticking out of the barrel. And with that gun, when I pack it all the way down, there's only like a quarter inch of the, of the ramrod sticking out. And so I wasn't fully like seated in the bullet. Um, for that second shot. And so, so if I could do anything over again, I'd have taken the extra time to get that. Um, yeah get that fixed well you know it's funny it's like sometimes like with the muzzle loaders they pat you know it's hard to get those shots they they just seem to junk up oh i know yeah so um but strut and buck they did a they featured a show up at new york on your property so uh you guys have like a deer management plan that you use up there and what do you focus on yeah so uh my parents own a couple hundred acres up in st Lawrence county and um we, it's a really, you know, the northern zone of New York is really tough, right? Um, you, you end up with like a 10 or 11 week, I forget what it is, gun season, right? And it starts in the middle of October and pretty much goes straight through the middle of December. And it's just brutal on the deer herd. Um, and in that particular unit, I, you know, I, I suspect that there's a lot of, I don't call it poaching, but there's a lot of people that think that they can, you know, shoot a buck and then put it on somebody else's tag and then shoot like, you know, another buck and put it on somebody else's tag. And, you know, because there's no dope permits up there. And so people are like, Oh, I'm going to shoot a bunch of deer because I, I quote unquote need the meat, you know? So it's a really tough area to grow good deer. I mean, from what I can tell in the years that we've been doing this up there in our particular area that we are, you know, if you can get a deer in the three or four year old range that hits the 110 to 100, 
20 mark inch, like 110, 20, 120 inch mark, like you're doing something right. 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 It's uh, it's just so hard to grow them. The, the you know, the, the hunting pressure is tough. And then, you know, the long gun season just kills it because you know, it runs right through the rut. You know, all the young year and a half old deer just never get a chance to grow. Yeah. They don't get, you know, they just don't get a chance to get old enough to, to be, you know, so it's you know, not anywhere like, near their potential. So yes, yeah, so it's not like you have tons of does running around where venison could be, a, you know, priority for you. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, we have a ton of does. Um, you know, on any given night at at my dad's place, you know, in the food plots that we put in, like, you know, we very we limit the pressure there. I mean, we pretty much hunt in the same two spots on that two hundred acres, and the rest of it is what I call it sanctuary. I mean, we just don't go in it. Right? it we don't designate it as sanctuary, but we just don't hunt it. It's it's thick, you know, thick swampy areas, and you know we've got the habitat there and the the cover to hold deer. Um, but on any given night, I mean, we'll watch 10, 15, 20 does on a one and two acre field, um, and see two bucks, and they'll be a year and a half old, like spikes, you know. And it's, yeah, right. Um, it's just a it's just, it's, it's a tough area. I mean, so pretty much every year, um, since they bought that property and since we really kind of just enacted, you know, what we're calling quality deer management for that area. I mean, it, you know, we're able to, you know, dad's been, dad's been hunting, um, uh, and, and shooting most of them. I shot one, I think that you're referring to on, uh, when we, we aired it on Stratton Buck a couple of years ago, but, uh, you know, it was just, yeah, 110 inch three-year-old yeah it was a nice deer. Um, which is yeah they're great they're great deer for there man and i you know i shoot that deer all year long up there um and uh that's just you know it's kind of as big as they get around there yeah. <laughs> i hate to say it that way but that's just you know in our experience that's just what it what it seems like you know and i'm sure there's going to be a few that are able to slip through and, and get into that four and five year old age and, and are going to get a little bit bigger and we've seen some but um there's just not that many what's the biggest deer you got to date in new york in new york oh dude i haven't broke the 130 mark i've got like a 127 128 129 um and those are, you know, those are some of my biggest deer. And they were shot um, here with a bow um, down around the Hornell area. Yeah. Well, like you, like we were just talking about, I mean, it has a lot to do with what you have mm -hmm. on the property, you know? Yep. Um, um, you know, the other thing, too, is like you know, we talk about score and you get into that, that 125 range. I mean, there's a reason that Hope and Young Record book starts at 125. Like, it takes a lot for a deer to get that big. Yeah, right. You know? Um, that is a good-sized deer. Um you know, and I think it, I think that gets lost in translation with the with the amount of people that do kill you know much bigger deer and in much better areas that are that are you know really properly managed and whatnot. Yeah. Things get lost and get lost in the inches. Yeah, right. Because you know, I got some a couple friends, and they're just your average Joes, but I mean, they're very successful. They're always getting over a hundred. You know, and a lot of times they're busting my chops. So you should have let them go. It'll be a bigger one next year. You know, but yeah. But, you know, another thing with me, too, is, like, venison's, like, a priority on my list. You know, like, I, I, like this past year, I had, like, meat panic, and the little eight-pointer I shot, yeah, he wasn't the biggest, but I was just looking to put something in the freezer, and I had to act quick, you know, because he came, he was, you know, he's, he was going to wherever he was going with purpose, and 
I had to stop them and take them, and that was it. And that was the only deer I got. Um, the first year in, I think, 20 years, I didn't even get a deer with the shotgun, which was mind-boggling. <laughs> oh, yeah. So is, is venison yeah. a priority on your list? Oh, it absolutely is. We eat it probably two to three days a week in my family. Uh, my wife loves it. My kids love it. Um, and, you know, I'm fortunate enough to get to do a lot of these things that we've been talking about, you know. So, yeah, I killed an elk this year and came home with 300 and some pounds of meat. So, I mean, I only hunted in New York like three days this year total. Um, I, did, I did a week out in Illinois with my buddy that I filmed with, um, with Struttenbuck, and I killed a good buck out there. And then uh, I went down to Kentucky three times um, with some friends of ours that uh, they own an outfitting business there. Um, and we did a, I did a bunch of like preseason work with them and helped them get some stuff set up. And we went down and hunted the velvet season in uh, September and didn't, uh, didn't connect then. And then I ended up back in their late muzzleover season. And I killed a good buck there. So yeah, I had two big bucks and, and an elk this year in the freezer. So nice. I didn't have to, uh, I didn't have to put in too much time here at home, but um, <laughs> yeah, we, we eat it quite a bit. So. Yeah, like you were just talking about like the longer season. I know uh, New York, they want to do a longer season than the Southern Zone. I know a lot of guys are not happy with it. So you really feel like it kind of puts a hurt on the deer? Uh, well, not necessarily. Uh, the issue that I have with the longer season up north is that it's it's a longer gun season, you know, that it runs through, you know, the rut and, you know, you can, you know, you're rifle hunting up there, um, you know, on, on big fields, which means, you know, any – any deer with three inches of antler or more is in trouble on a five hundred, you know, yeah. at five hundred yards on a field. Like that's, it's just, uh, it's just one of those things. Like up there, but honestly, I don't have, I don't have any problem with the extended season that they're that they're talking about here. Because um, quite honestly, I think there's going to be a lot of guys that just don't take advantage of it, and I think the guys that are going to benefit from it are going to be the guys that. Um, you know, it's it's not going to benefit really the the public land hunter, um, but it is going to help. You know, the deer management guys on on their properties that they lease or they own, um, maybe capitalize on that buck that that slipped through. Yeah. Um, because at that point in year, I mean, if they've got the food sources, that's where those deer are going to be. And I mean, I don't, I don't have any problem with it. I mean, more opportunity to hunt is better. I'd rather see it go that way than the other, honestly. Absolutely. See, I, I totally agree with you there, you know, because especially like where I, I hunt, it's high pressure and it's hard to see deer like after the first two weeks is gone, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. It's not like, you know, you know what's that? that? That'll give them a, you know, that'll give the deer a week, week and a half break. Um, and, you know. Yeah kind of kind of calm down and get back to maybe almost normal to uh to have a nice little late season hunt and you know i think it's also going to give a lot of more people you know opportunity to get out i mean there's a lot of people that take that last week of the year off you know just to have it off yeah right you know with their family and their kids are home from school you know they hopefully it'll help introduce some more people to the sport i don't know so you do some bear hunting you have any uh good bear hunting stories <laughs> yeah um i've been uh i've been bear hunting quite a bit up in maine and uh a couple couple years ago um we were up there and we were we were running bears with uh with the hounds 
and we ran um, this big boar. He was he ended up being about 500 pounds, just shy of 500 pounds, and um, he went up a pine tree, um, which is pretty unheard of for a real big bear like that. Um, and this bear was this bear was huge. Um, in the fact that you know after after we killed him and started skinning him out, he had zero fat on him. Um, if he had fat on him, he would have been a 600 to 700 pound black bear, which is gigantic for a black bear. Um, he's squared at like seven foot nine inches and has got a 21 inch skull, which is huge, um, especially for an East Coast black bear. Yeah, right. Um, and uh, so <laughs> this bear went up a tree and I, uh, the only shot that I had was pretty much straight up. Um, and so we took, took two shots at him, um, hit him good, both shots and he started to fall and we backed off the tree about 30 or 40 feet and he made it about halfway down the tree and he hit a branch, like a big branch off this, this huge pine tree that he was in. And, uh, he rolled out and ended up landing at my feet. Um, and he basically had enough life in him to compose himself, get up and like swat at me and knock me down and he bit my foot <laughs> so wow. um the guy there that we were hunting with he came in and you know he put four forty-five seventies 70s into his chest at point blank range yeah thank god he was smart enough to to see that i you know my foot was in the bear's mouth and didn't try and shoot him in the head or something you know yeah right and uh um <laughs> yeah so i had uh i had to <laughs> we we got it all on video, so that was pretty that was pretty crazy. Me screaming like a little girl, getting attacked by a bear. I'd have to and, say most uh, people would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, no, he was he was a great bear. Um, it was just one of those unfortunate situations, you know. At the last second, he hit that branch and rolled out. You know, otherwise we were we were in a good spot to to have been backed up enough that you know normally they'll just come straight down. Um, and, uh, yeah, I ended up with like, shoot, I don't know, 11 or 12 staples, um, on punctures and cuts on my ankle. And, uh, like six days later, I went to Newfoundland moose hunting. Wow. So. Very nice. So, yeah. uh, you know, like I said, if you got any plugs or anything and how people can get a hold of you, you know, feel free to let us know here. Yeah, absolutely. So you can watch anything, you know, that we were just talking about. Um, everything's filmed for the TV show that I'm a part of. Um, I don't own the show. I'm just, just filming them and I'm part of it. Um, Strutton Buck. Um, you can look them up at struttonbuck.com. And we are on the Pursuit Channel, 8 o'clock every Thursday night. Um, we are year-round, so you can uh, you can watch the episodes there. And uh, also online at uh, Carbon TV and uh, Waypoint TV. So, yeah access to probably the last five or six seasons um online um so a bunch of cool new york stuff on there from uh, new york turkey hunts and new york deer hunts um and whatnot so yeah uh, that uh that bear hunt that i was just talking about there's uh we did a short film series for strut and buck last year and that's what we used we use that as part of that that's a full series about that's a full uh full uh, film about bear hunting and the different types of bear hunting in in the uh, country, um, and we use that 
that piece as part of the story in there. It's a pretty cool little little segment. Very nice. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Cleed. But uh, before I let you go, I don't know if the bear story counts, but usually I ask people to tell us a campfire story, like a hunting story you love to share, and it's a memorable hunt. Oh, man. Um, probably my favorite one is the first deer I ever shot with a bow. Um, we nicknamed this deer the Sledgehammer Buck. Um, I shot this deer uh, when I was 16, and... Yeah, using an old Pearson, I don't even know what it was. You know, a little flipper style rest. I mean, I can't imagine what those arrows were doing. Um, but, uh, so I hit this deer high and spined him. And the poor deer, you know, he fell to the ground. He was kicking around. And I had three arrows in my quiver. And I took a second shot. Just as I shot, I hit him. I hit him in the rear. And I'm standing in a tree, you know, 16 years old. I don't know what I'm supposed to do at this point, right? And, uh, I take my third arrow and I take a shot, take my third shot and I hit him in the butt again. And, uh, so I called my grandfather, um, to come back and, uh, and help me. And I'm like, you know, I don't know what you got to bring, but this poor deer isn't dead yet. So we need to, we need to figure something out and I don't have any arrows left. Um, so he came back and all he had in the back of his truck was a sledgehammer. So (laughs) my, my poor grandfather and you know, i i held the deer and he he hit him upside the head and that was that was that um and probably one of the funniest things ever and yeah you know, i felt bad for the deer but you know in the end <laughs> that was what we had to do to to take care of it and yeah it was one of those moments that you have with with your grandfather you know the guy who got you into hunting and that's so awesome. everything so was, yeah <laughs> cool Kind of funny, a little sad. <laughs> yeah, but it's all good, man. It's all good. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I appreciate you coming on, and hopefully we can catch you again. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right. Thanks for having me. Yep. Well, that was great. I want to thank Cleed for coming on again. Uh, I really enjoyed talking about filming. You know, these guys, I got to give them hats off for the great products that they put on for us to watch on TV. So like Cleed said, check them out on Pursuit Channel at 8 p.m. every Thursday night, as well as Carbon TV, Waypoint TV, and struttonbuck.com. So let's jump to our weekly Game Warden stories. <laughs> you can't make some of this stuff up. So uh, out in Coos Bay, uh, the Fish and Wildlife Troopers were tipped off by the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife that a man was caught on camera with a net near the Woodward Creek fish trap. Also, the Oregon Department's Fish and Wildlife camera was destroyed by two small caliber bullets. The subject was later located while angling in a closed section of the South Fork Coquille River, and the suspect was interviewed and confessed to netting the fish and shooting the camera. Unbelievable. So the rifle was seized along with his net and fishing pole. He was cited and released for a criminal mischief second, unlawful taking of steelhead, and angling a prohibited area. Can't make it up. So also saw on Facebook where a guy who was actually in New York here followed the stocking truck, gets pulled over or was approached by NCON officer and Lo and behold, he had no license. (laughs) You can't make it up, folks. 
So that's it for this week on my Game Warden news. So I plan on getting a kayak this year. So I'm going to try that out and uh, you know, usually get out in my boat. Um, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, but this week I actually got to get out into the Shokan Reservoir, trolled around for some brown trout. I was fortunate enough to catch a 5-pound and 3-ounce brown trout. Right now, you know, as far as the Ashokan goes, the fishing is ramping up. There was a lot of top water, um, so I see some good things in the near weeks to come. So a friend of mine, Eric, he's been doing pretty well on the river with the stripers. Um, so get on out there in tight lines, everybody. So I'm going to wrap it up for this week. It was great having Cleed on here, you know, at the... We all support the New York thing. It's great to see New York being represented on the uh, Pursuit Channel. So, see you all next week. This episode of the Appalachian Timber Ghost Outdoor Adventure Podcast is brought to you by Wild Kingdom Soap. Catch us on Instagram and Facebook.